Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. <laughs> because politics needed a rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, it must be spooky back. season because Sam and I are both being ghosted. <laughs> And I'm deceased. I'm actually coming from six feet under because I can't stop laughing at that. So, um, if anyone else is being ghosted right now, like, don't be worried. Like, it's just the season we're in. It's not us. We're not the problem. Nope. Nope. It's potentially the ghosts of X's past. It's that's why we are sipping on some Prima right now. So, T God. What would we do without Ooh. her? Like, I just don't know. But. Regardless of being ghosted, we have had an amazing week because we had our event this weekend. We also met with a lot of amazing people, expanded the network in NYC. It was just, it was a week. And you know what? As business women, we can't be held back by, you know, these little dweeby men who decide to ghost. It's just like, we don't have time. We don't. Look, and unless you, there's only one ghost that has my heart. And his name is Casper because he's very cute and cuddly and clearly makes for great movie, TV, whatever the hell he starred in. I don't care. I don't remember. I would I die for Casper. I would die for Casper. Same. Like, absolutely. Just bring me a man like Casper. Would, would date Casper. It's like, all these men are just happy... trying to be like Casper and they never can. And, you know. No. In turn, no. we just get ghosted. But we had an amazing event. Do you want to tell everyone about our pregame and politics. Well, duh. I mean, if you were there, if you know, you know, it was a blast. We pregamed, we politicked, we did a little of this, we did a little of that, but we had a really amazing panel with some phenomenal women that are running for office, including guests that we've had on the show. So if you guys remember, Brittany Ramos-Tiberos, we've had her on. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, but we had some other amazing candidates on as well. And then we also, we fucking pregamed. Mm-hmm. We played beer pong it was so fun i think we're all so happy about it our hearts are full thank you to everyone who came we met a few Mm -hmm. amazing people who are listeners of the show so shout out and thank you again for coming and brand ambassadors and brand ambassadors hell yeah if you are not a brand ambassador and would like to be the links to apply are obviously in our little bio here so check it out yes so happy about it And there hopefully will be more to come. So if that seems of interest to you, if you saw the pictures and you're like, oh my God, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen, DM us and ask us to come to your city. We're in the works right now of kind of plotting another Mm -hmm. one in coming months, but let us know, let us know. And sign up for our Brand Ambassador program. In the meantime, you will be able to, you know, attend some virtual events with us, AKA our networking event next week on monday with an amazing legal expert aka a guest on the show aka the legal blonde aka natasha axelrod so sign up it's gonna be great sign up to be brand ambassador and you can come so natasha of course can be really speaking to like legal careers and legal political careers and crossover there but we are you know trying to make sure that every political career under the sun is covered in these so you guys get a really good understanding of what is out there and how to jumpstart your careers in civics and politics and all that good stuff. So like Maddie said, if you're thinking that sounds kind of kind of dope, pretty cool, you know what to do. But I guess we should introduce our guest. Let's I, 
I Let's guess. Let's do it. I guess we should do it. I, it's a little iffy, but maybe. Do it. Anyways, guys, this one, this episode, besides that I'm still, like, dying of how much fun we had recording it, is, like, the bee's knees to, like, my elevator pitch because always talk about gerrymandering, like, <laughs> at every freaking turn. And this time, we freaking define it. We talk about it in depth. We go the freaking extra gerrymandered mile. And it's because we talk with Arizona State Director Kendra Alvarez, who works for All on the Line, which is a really big organization coming up in this era of redistricting. So we get into it all. We break down all of the concepts related to gerrymandering, redistricting, et cetera, especially as it relates to Arizona, which is very Especially as it relates to going into next year and the midterms and how important Mm -hmm. this redistricting process is going to be in the next coming months and in the next year. So this is going to be a great little window into some political knowledge that is very important at this moment. Agreed. And after this, if you don't set a marker on your calendar to take the census in 10 years, (laughs) I don't know how to help you. I mean, I do. Like, I'll find. Hand me your phone. I'll put it in myself. But rant aside, without further ado, here is Kendra. Thanks for having me. My name is Kendra Alvarez. I third generation Tucsonan here in Arizona, so I am very happy to still be working in my home state. I got into politics very much by accident. I did not have a politically active family, right? We were civically engaged and I knew my parents voted, but you know, we weren't like, you know, we didn't campaign for folks or track a lot of that. And so ended up here completely by accident liked the subject in high school and decided to major in it in college again with not a lot of history or connections or anything but fell in love with the topic and really what has kept me was my first summer again just very blindly applied to be an intern for my local congressional office and for tucson that was gabby giffords and so i spent my first summer out of college doing constituent services with her right helping people like navigate the federal government and access benefits that they needed and so in this very like aaron sorkin-esque kind of ideal way got to see the government work for people right like we saw families reunited using immigration and Mm. we saw veterans get their benefits once we were able to kind of help and sort things out so that was a really rewarding way to get started in this field and incredibly inspiring and i think that experience has kept me coming back to this work over and over again totally well can you also tell us about all all on the line what is this mission what is the organization can you give us all all the details yeah absolutely so all on the line is an organization that is designed to fight gerrymandering Mm -hmm. um and make sure that in the maps that we have, legislative and congressional maps in states across the country, people are represented fairly, right? It's not something a lot of people think about is where those district lines are and the fact that they change often. And so we are really here to educate people. We've got like a grassroots volunteer program where we run, you know, we help volunteers and advocates in different states engage and understand the process and these rules that that are coming and shaping how they're represented. And so we really try to give people knowledge about how to participate in the redistricting system and how to yeah. make sure that they're fairly represented. So, mm-hmm. which yeah. I feel like is so important and you'll laugh, but every time we do our sort of like elevator speech, we're like explaining like, yeah. okay, like what is girl in the gov? Like, what do you guys do? And we always talk about rebranding politics and making it more simplified and just even providing like definitions for these terms everyone sort of hears, but doesn't really know. And I cannot tell you how many times I've used gerrymandering as an example. Like Maddie it's probably- like only example. I'm like, Samantha, do you know anything else about politics? I do. <laughs> It's like, you know, you're just like, you're on a roll and it's just automatically, like, it just rolls off your tongue. Yeah. Like, it is attached to me. Like, my hand is to Mm. my wrist. I can't even tell you. (laughs) And so I love it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is just the best But it is like, it is the one term that's like, first of all, the just weirdest word ever, like, gerrymandering, what? And then, so, and then obviously just all the background behind it is confusing as hell and we will get into all of that, but. Right. I I will give that to Sam. It is a great term to explain, like, what we're doing, so. Right, right. It's complex, it's confusing, and yet it's so fundamental to any of the advocacy and the issues that we care about. 
It's so key. Totally. Which, speaking of that advocacy sort of arm of it and, you know, what you guys are specifically doing at All on the Line, what does your day-to-day look like? Like, how do you, you know, sort of navigate this this field and, you know, making change? Sure. Yeah, every day is a little bit different as the redistricting process goes through. Arizona is a state where a commission does the redistricting process, right? So rather than a lot, there's a lot of states where the state legislature drafts new lines every 10 years after the census, but Arizona commission does this. So it's citizens that are appointed to do this work. And so as they do their work, right, we kind of go from watching them figure out their, you know, their job and their, and their roles to actually drafting the maps. And so our work changes too, right? We, there is a lot of education involved in this, right? So people, want to be involved and want to make sure that they have fair maps but there's a lot of work to kind of help advocates and grassroots volunteers so we do a lot of volunteer training we do a lot of work with partner organizations in the state that maybe care about a particular issue and want to understand okay here's this once a decade work how do we tie this in and how do we make sure that our volunteers and our advocates are engaged so there's a lot of different work teaching partners and and tracking the redistricting process to say here's what step we're at now here's how you can get involved you know maybe it's going to a hearing and providing training on how someone can attend a hearing and then another week it's watching a redistricting meeting and giving input you know in writing and then another week it's you know preparing to go to an event or something so it changes based on what the commission's doing Mm -hmm. but a lot a lot of education work I have yeah. another question as you're sort of going through like some of the things you can do specifically around hearings. How do people get involved in hearings? Like I feel like we always end up seeing sort of that testimony, you know, those news moments and it's like, oh, so-and-so said this or provide this information. But it's like, where, how did they get there? What's that process in between? Yeah, so a lot of our work is either folks come to on the line, right? They start to follow us on our Facebook or our Twitter and they join one of our volunteer calls and we can give some guidance. But really what I try to tell people for redistricting too is it can feel like this very complicated concept, but for many people, you know your community best, right? You live in your community, you know where you shop, you know where your kids or your friends' kids go to school, you know where your community centers are, you know where people in your community access government services. And so you have a real understanding of what your community is, and that's all you need to participate in the redistricting process, right? If you understand how does my community interact with each other at a local level, then that's something you can take to a redistricting body and say, here's where my community is. And so keep it together and keep it whole. And we want to you know, be represented by a single elected official. And so I think it's just really breaking down that barrier. People hear gerrymandering and redistricting and these sound like complicated concepts. But when we talk to people about you just need to go and explain where your community is. That's something people can do. And that seems a lot easier and, and something that somebody can do. And it's, you know, you go to a hearing that's in your neighborhood and you speak for two minutes and you talk about where your community is and that has an effect in your representation. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's really just breaking down those misunderstandings and helping people understand that you already have the tools and the knowledge. Now just show up at this day and and talk to these commissioners from your state about what your community is and why it matters as someone totally. who likes That's to talk so about themselves like sign up. <laughs> <laughs> well you guys at all on the line have priority states in this like strategy so specifically arizona where you are colorado florida georgia north carolina ohio pennsylvania texas and wisconsin i feel like i should have saying that why these states What's the strategy here? Sure. So a lot of the states, you know, there's different redistricting processes in different states. There are a number of states where we are really watching to make sure maybe there's a new redistricting process or maybe there's a particular body that's in charge of that redistricting process. And so really in some of these key states, we're trying to make sure, again, people understand how to be involved and how to advocate. In a state like Arizona, for example, we've actually had a commission redistricting process for, this is our third decade now. And yet we know 
that public participation is really critical because we've got such a diverse and unique state and population. And so even in a state like Arizona, where we've had this commission work before, we know that public participation is key to getting fair maps. And so we want to make sure that people really are engaged and really are being educated and part of this process. So it really is about working in these states to make sure that community groups and advocates and volunteers know how to be involved and also to make sure that we hold these redistricting bodies accountable, right? That they really truly are, even in commission states, being transparent, being accessible to the public, right? There's accountability that can still happen even in citizen-led commission states doing redistricting. In a democracy, we all have citizen power. We just need to know how to use it. Yet, if you feel fed up or confused by the U.S. government, you're not alone. Most voters feel powerless, especially when lobbyists and special interest groups seem to control the levers of government more so than the people. But your voice and your vote matter. When you understand how the government actually works, you can have a surprising amount of influence. Citizen Power with Natalia Ramos and Ben Sheehan is a 10-day course, signed for free, here, aka in that link in our bio, that offers the civics education you missed or you may have forgotten from high school. This is not just about facts and dates. It's about giving you back your power as a citizen to move forward the issues you really care about. By taking this course, you'll learn what should be taught in civics class, but isn't, your rights and powers as a citizen, how you can have the most influence over your elected representatives, real actionable steps you can take to influence policy, and the confidence and conviction to contribute to the future of democracy. You are the CEO of your elected officials, and it's time to make sure your voice is heard. So head to the link in our episode description to start your amazing civics class today and get the first five days free. Again, head to that link in our episode description and get five days free. All right, guys, do you need stress relief, sleep support, recovery, mood boosters, or even some new incredible skincare? Prima has amazing, doctor-formulated, clinically validated, and high-performance CBD products for the skin, the body, and the mind, you guys, and it comes in so many forms. So we have CBD supplements to bath bombs, body lotions, skincare. I've gotten some serious relief from stress, hangovers, anxiety, even PMS with this stuff, so give it a shot. Prima has recently been selected as one of Sephora's top 10 brands that meet their rigorous clean standards by priding themselves on sustainable farming practices, being carbon neutral, 100% clean with strict safety standards, which is all so, so important to us. So there's also some big news because Prima has launched an app that offers self-care in the palm of your hands and allows you to shop with ease, access exclusive content, and much more. So lucky for us, you can enjoy the relief of the best CBD products out there because Prima is offering our listeners an exclusive, limited time, 20% off offer with the code GIRLGOV. So head to Prima.co, feel better every day. But nonetheless, without like getting into like every state's like specifics, we should probably like back it up a moment, talk about the basics, all that good stuff. So to start off, Samantha our, gets to ask her question. I get to. Oh my god, guys, best day ever! <laughs> For I have a stupid question segment. We get to roll it all up with what is gerrymandering? Sure, we talk it on the line about how gerrymandering is cheating at the redistricting process, right? So redistricting has to happen every 10 years. Populations have changed. We've counted them all through the census. And now we need to reallocate people so that they're effectively represented. But gerrymandering takes that process and kind of turns it on its head, right? And makes it unfair because gerrymandering is this process of really drawing lines so that a political party has power that doesn't match, you know, their influence or their size within a state or within a district. So it's cheating at that process in ways that makes the lines unfair, even though the redistricting process is trying to reallocate people and make sure that there is equal representation. Gotcha. Okay, well, that was a really good explanation. We're going to just maybe take that sound bite and roll with it every time Sam walks around <laughs> and ask what is Jerry Throw it on some flashcards, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Throw it on merch, like all the things. Okay, next question is, what is a grid map? 
Yes, a grid map, that is a process pretty unique to Arizona. So I talked a little bit about how we have this commission state and we've been, we've been doing commission redistricting for a while now. So grid maps happen in Arizona because the commission is not supposed to look at the old maps from last decade, right? So you can imagine how the commissioners could simply pick up the maps from 10 years ago and say, okay, where's the population change? We're just gonna make adjustments. But part of what Arizona's commission cannot do is consider where the incumbents live. So the grid maps kind of force them to start over again. Grid maps are just these districts that are drawn across the state, only focused on equal population and on making the districts as compact as possible. So what it does is it creates a starting point and then the commission has to take that grid map and say, okay, what other new adjustments do we need to make? Well, we need to uphold the Voting Rights Act criteria. We need to make sure that we honor natural geographies. We need to make sure that we honor where communities actually are. So they have to pick up a grid map and then make adjustments to get to a final map. But the grid map just kind of forces them to wipe the slate clean, start over again, looking at a random set of lines rather than the lines that were working for us 10 years ago. I'm totally thinking of like, I know this is not, and I think you just explained, but just the visual in my head when I think of grid is graph paper. And I'm like totally taking this on a tangent. And I like, I'm totally triggered in like the best way because I really miss graph paper. Like taking notes on that, <laughs> it was so satisfying. Like I'm some people are all it. about like the bullet journal. What, you hated it? Writing notes on graph paper? I loved it. And then if you were bored in class, you could like make a little design with all the little squares. <laughs> well, I hated math class, so oh. I hate grid paper. That's fair. That's Bad memories. <laughs> okay, so we have a little bit of PTSD, but we also have <laughs> the efficiency gap. So what is that? Yeah, the efficiency gap is a way of measuring how the votes are utilized in a particular district. So it's a method that some professors came up with to really understand, like, there's a threshold where a candidate would win an election from a particular party, and then any percentage above that amount is kind of wasted votes from that particular party in influencing the election, right? So the efficiency gap measures, like, how many extra voters were allocated in that district that you know may have not necessarily been part of somebody winning because the numbers were a little too high in that district to influence that particular election. Gotcha. And then, okay, we have some kind of like, you gotta tell us, like, is this like gerrymandering slang? Because in this context, <laughs> what does the term packing mean? Yeah, so packing, packing and cracking are terms that we talk about in terms of how communities are represented. So, you know, we were just talking about kind of how the numbers play out and how you influence the outcome of an election in a particular district. The other thing that we talk about in redistricting is representation, right? How does a community exist within a district so that they can go to their elected official and advocate for an issue they care about? When communities are packed, what it means is maybe there's a large community and when they're redistricted that large community can get packed into just one single district instead of being allocated to two or three where they could actually have influence over several elected officials and be able to advocate for you know a policy or an issue that they care about so what it does is it kind of underrepresents that community because they can't influence you know, policy or, or elections in multiple districts, they're forced into just one and it leaves them with less political power than they should have had. On the other hand, the other thing we talk about is cracking a community. So that happens when there's a community kind of within a specific geographic area. And instead of being placed in one district where they could have influence or have their say, they're split into too many districts, right? So they're not a majority in any one district. And what happens a lot of those times is they can end up trying to go to different elected officials to advocate for something they care about. And, you know, they get bounced around between different districts because they're split or they don't have a large enough voice or a large enough stake in that district to really have influence um, or to have their voice is heard. And so in both situations, what we're trying to prevent when we say don't pack or don't crack is we want 
communities to be adequately represented, right? This is kind of the core concept of Fair Maps is we want to make sure that, you know, as there are different communities that care about issues like in the environment or healthcare, that they can go to the right number of people and have their voices heard and have their concerns heard by somebody who has to represent them and, and take their concerns to the state legislature or to the federal government. That makes sense. And I'm going to be say yeah. packing and cracking to just about everything from now on because I'm obsessed. I'm also so glad to know the background of this. Let's get into Arizona specifically. You know, clearly there are some, you know, very, very state specific elements to this story. What is gerrymandering like in terms of the equation of Arizona? Like, obviously Arizona is part of this strategy that you guys have, and there's definitely an impetus for that, I'm sure. Like, how how did this all come together? Like I guess not to bring math back up, but what's the math? <laughs> right, pull the grid pull the grid paper out and let's all take some notes on it, right? Oh god. <laughs> so in Arizona, we really talk about gerrymandering as something we are preventing in this state. It's one it's been one of the great things in Arizona history that we have had this commission. And so we've seen the commissions generate fairer maps, maps that are a little more balanced. As you look back 10 years ago, the last time the commission did this, they had all kinds of independent reviews and analysis. Harvard did some studies, you know, the Department of Justice was looking at maps at those times. And a lot of different entities said these maps pretty fairly balance the political representation of the state, right? And so we have had good legacy in Arizona of getting maps that fairly reflect the population. So what I talk about when I train our volunteers and our advocates is we're trying to prevent gerrymandering from taking a hold, right? We see what can happen in other states where there's these long and crazy squiggly lines connecting these communities that are far away. And we really want to be part of the reason it's so important to be involved is we get involved and we help prevent that from happening because we educate our commission on what I was talking about before, where communities are, how they're connected, how they should be represented. But it really takes people being involved in, and lifting up those things so that we don't get gerrymandered maps, right? We don't want to see those influences mess up representation or leave people without a voice. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Arizona hasn't always been this way with the independent commission, right? But it is now. Has right. it been effective in, in this or can these bipartisan and like independent entities still be influenced by outside biases as well? Like, has it been effective? Sure. Yeah, it's no, it's been effective. And it's also why we exist in a state like Arizona is we know that it can be effective. We know that this is a system that can work, but it takes public participation, right? It really takes local public input. And then it also takes accountability, right? Even a commission is made up of people that can be influenced by, you know, outside pressures or outside voices. And so that's really part of our work is tracking this process carefully, watching all the meetings, you know, watching the records that come out so that we know kind of where those influences are coming from and we can make sure that it truly is, you know, local folks and local input that is driving this process, right? So at any time, I think even a commission can can change and be subject to those partisan influences as they seek input or as they make hiring decisions or other things. And that's why it's so important that the public participates, right? It's so important that we're watching. It's so important that we stay involved. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And like speaking of this commission, I get another back it up moment. Like I feel like now I'm like, back it up, back it up. That's really stuck in my head. Okay. <laughs> I am on one today. But that aside, who are like the people on this commission? I kind of have this idea in my head that like anyone can be subject to bias. It doesn't matter like, you know, where you are, like everyone has you no know, life bias to it but like obviously you want to try and limit that as much as possible so I'm sure that's sort of a part of the process so I guess who are the people on it and how do they get mm -hmm. there sure our commission is very small in Arizona it's five people so there's two Republicans there's two Democrats and there's one independent registered independent or party non-affiliated they're the chair of the organization that independent so of the five that's their that's their lead these are folks that apply so there's a public application process that happened earlier 
this year. And then the public, you know, so they got, I think, 170 or so applications, right? They had a lot of interest. And then there's a commit, there's another commission, right? So commissions on commissions in Arizona. It makes it very crazy to track <laughs> it all. But a, a separate commission kind of evaluates those folks and puts together a final list legislative leadership in Arizona then picks the, the four partisan candidates and appoints them. And then those four appointed folks, so the two Democrats and the two Republicans, they have to work together and agree on the independent chair. So it's a very step-by-step -step process that we were watching as well, but it is, this is part of what is exciting and helpful in our redistricting process is it's citizens from across the state. I, you know, we were very excited. One of the things we watched throughout this process is the, one of the folks that was appointed to this commission was the first indigenous member on this redistricting commission in Arizona. So we actually have a member of the commission that is part of the Navajo Nation. The independent chair is a psychologist out of the Phoenix area. We've got a commissioner from Tucson that's been a developer and a, and a business person down there. Just as some examples, there's a professor and then someone that runs um, like a distribution company. So one of the things I always talk about with folks when we're doing training is these aren't elected officials, right? These are people who very often have their own issues and also are advocating, you know, to elected officials or community organizations for things they want to see in their community too. So they're residents just like you. Mm -hmm. And that helps to kind of make the process feel a little less intimidating too. Too, right? These are citizens just, you know, just like all of us residents of this state that are trying to make a difference. Yeah. And then how are the maps ultimately drafted? Like, do you guys have a, I don't know, list of expectations of the way it should be correctly done? Like, I know when I think of gerrymandering, I think of like the weird ass shapes that people come up with in order to favor <laughs> their party. What what is the correct way to do it? Is like how how do you draft those maps and make it properly represent an area? Sure. So the grid maps that we were talking about is kind of the first step. And one of the things that I think is confusing in this process is sometimes it can sound like we made the district's population equal. What else do you need to do, right? Like isn't that good enough? What else what else needs to change? But there's some really important criteria that has to be folded into maps for them to actually be fair, right? I mentioned the Voting Rights Act. There are provisions in the Voting Rights Act to make sure that communities of color, minority communities in different states, still have the ability to elect a member of their choosing to represent them at the state legislature or at the congressional level, kind of depending on their size. So that's a really important piece of adjustment that has to be made, right? Grid maps don't consider where communities of color are and make sure that there's adequate representation for, you know, especially a diverse state like Arizona that's got all kinds of different people and populations. So the Voting Rights Act is something that has to be taken into consideration. Our mapping, our, our commission has to take into consideration natural boundaries, right? So where are there, where are there huge rivers, like the Colorado River that shapes the Grand Canyon? You know, that's a, that's a natural boundary that often kind of distinguishes different communities on either side, right? Where are there huge mountain ranges? Things like that, that kind of help them not just make it population equal, but but once it's, you know, once we're balancing population, how do we also recognize where communities actually are and how do they actually need to be yeah. represented? Like so, by issue almost too. Yeah, right? like, by, by kind of issue and experience. What are shared concerns and policy right, issues yeah. that will unite different communities? So there's factors like that that take it from, you know, something that seems really mathematical to also that human element totally. of how do people interact with their state and with their community. So they've got to evaluate those things as well. And then like we were talking about the hearings, right? There's just a lot of public input that also gets folded yeah. into the map making process. So there's six total mapping criteria that the Arizona Commission has to uphold, as well as kind of the local public input that becomes part of the testimony and part of how they arrive at the final lines. Gotcha. That makes a ton yeah. of sense. Well, looking forward, what are some of the like big concerns for Arizona looking ahead? I'm especially curious to like after last year and Arizona like flipping blue and all of like kind of just this shift there and how now after the census, like how that could change things or progress things. I'm not sure, but super sure. curious about what what's ahead for Arizona. Arizona is a state that's seen 
a lot of population growth and a lot of population change, right? Or Phoenix is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. So there's a lot of adjustment that has to be made to account for where people have shifted and changed and, and, and moved into the state. So that is what will shape a lot of the changes that come into the maps. We have been watching the process since day one. Part of what we wanna make sure of is that this is a process that all communities can access. And so there have been a lot of steps where we have called for the commission to actually hold hearings in more communities of color, to have mapping software and input software that communities can actually use and individuals can actually use that's not so technical it discourages people from participating. We wanna make sure that input forms and ways of communicating with the commission are not only in English so that communities that are not English speakers can participate. And so even in a process like redistricting that can either seem straightforward or seem really complex, you know, what part of what we want to make sure is every community and every resident of the state that wants to participate can. And that requires, you know, building some positive pressure towards the commission to say, here are ways you can do better to make sure that everyone has equal access. So that has been a big priority for us up until the point of map drafting is making sure all voices can actually be heard and everyone can actually participate. And then we are, you know, in the middle of watching the commission start to draft their map. So they had their first two meetings earlier this week. They will meet again more next week and the week following to really talk about what's all the input we've heard? What are the mapping criteria we need to follow? How do we put all of that into the draft map? So we will be watching that very closely. A lot of our partners are watching that closely as well to make sure that they actually have folded in all of the public input and the concerns about adequate representation for different communities. And then in November, what we'll be working with is getting people to a final round of hearing. So once our commission says, okay, we've got a draft map, we think this looks pretty good, we think it upholds all the criteria, they're required to have 30 days of public input. So that will include another round of hearings where they will have hearings all across the state and people can go and say, hey, this looks great, this does represent my community, or no, something's still missing, you've got to move a line or make an adjustment to really keep our communities whole and keep us well represented. So that will be kind of the final you know, step for us at this time is making sure people know about those hearings, can look at the draft maps and say, does this work for me or does it not? And then participate in that process. And again, we wanna make sure that everyone has an opportunity to access that, that those hearings are held all across the state in all different communities and all different languages so that people really can make their voice heard. That is awesome and really takes care of the next question I was going to ask you, which is like, what can people do right now in the coming months as to, you know, really pushing this ahead and making sure everything's fair and square. So right. I think this is the perfect way to sort of, you know, wrap and keep people in the loop. So you're like, okay, like everyone, we want to give you the 411 as to, you know, where to go, how to go to these hearings, how to be involved. Where does everyone find this information? Where can everyone find you? Give us the, sure. the whole scoop. Yeah, so if you're an Arizona resident, you can look for our all online Arizona Facebook or Twitter pages and follow us there. You can join our volunteer call that is happening on Wednesday evening. So there's lots of ways to be involved in an ongoing way. If you're in any of the other states as well, you can go to allintheline.org and you can find some ways to get involved in your state. We've got some ways for some states to partners with others. So there's lots of opportunity no matter which state you're in. You know, all states end up redistricting after the census. So the process looks a little bit different in some states compared to what I've been talking about in my state of Arizona, but there's lots of ways for people to be involved. So find us on the website or follow us on social media pages so that you can see all the different ways, you know, as these different processes unfold in different states, we've got different petitions to sign and ways to be involved and calls that you can make and hearings and trainings that you can attend. So look for the ways that suit your schedule, mm -hmm. look for the ways that connect you to your state, but really truly in so many states across the country, some process like this is unfolding, whether it's a commission or a legislature that's drawing your maps, there are ways to be involved and, and have your voice heard or create some public pressure if that's not what's happening right now in your state. So look us up online, online.org, and then you can get a little more involved yourself. Amazing. Amazing. Oh my well, gosh. 
Jenks. I'm concerned. <laughs> Literally scared of us. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing. Everyone who is at really anywhere, but especially those states that you guys are working in, definitely go check everything out. We will link a bunch of that stuff in our episode description as well so people can find it easily. But thank you. Thank you for coming on. This has been yes. very insightful. No, thank you to you and to your listeners because this is like, if there's any issue that you care about, right, this is what I keep coming back to and why I love this work is no matter what issue you care about or motivates you to be involved and track the news and track your you kind of local politics and local officials, all of that comes down to how the redistricting process unfolds, right? And how you're actually represented and how you actually participate. You know, these maps will impact you know, the kind of voice you can have over the next 10 years. So it's yeah. so wonderful to see people being involved and, and learning more. So yeah, sign up, join us, ask all your questions. Yes, totally. Well, thank you again. Okay, moving on to top stories of the week. We're going to kick it off with a January 6th update as far as what's going on with the investigation. And so basically House Committee in charge of investigating the January 6th insurrection will hold at least one of Donald Trump's allies in contempt as the former president is pushing back on the probe in a new lawsuit. So Trump is attempting to block the committee by directing Steve Bannon, former White House aide, to not answer questions in the probe along with suing the panel to try and prevent Congress from obtaining White House documents. Lawmakers in the committee say that they will not back down as they gather facts from testimonies about the attack. So again, this kind of feeds into that conversation we had last week about executive privilege and how Trump is like coming back on the scene to save his own ass for a lot of this stuff. So basically, to give a little color commentary, there was a joint statement released by Chairman Benny Thompson, who's a Democrat of Mississippi, and Republican Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, which is the panel's vice chairman, chairwoman, <clears throat> give a little joint statement situation so they said the former president's clear objective is to stop the select committee from getting to the facts about january 6 his lawsuit is nothing more than an attempt to delay and obstruct our probe they also added that it's hard to imagine more compelling public interest than trying to get answers about an attack on our democracy and an attempt to overturn the results of an election so like it should be no shit but like yet yeah, here we are so basically trump's lawsuit claims of the august request from the panel is vexatious illegal and basically a fishing expedition which like honestly like no one except for guys on hinge like to go fishing so i don't really and then they like pose with it so like i don't really know how i feel about that but the suit which names the committee as well as the national archive seeks to invalidate the entirety of the congressional request calling it overly broad unduly burdensome and a challenge to separation of powers and it requests a court injunction to bar the archivist from producing the documents and i would just like to make point that just like the national archives like whenever i hear like something like that like i just think of national treasure obviously obviously yes so the biden administration was clearing the documents for release and said the violent siege of the capitol more than nine months ago was such an extraordinary circumstance that it merited waiving the privilege that usually protects white house communication so that executive privilege that we were talking about and the legal challenge came the day before the panel is supposed to vote to recommend that steve bannon be held in a criminal contempt of congress for his defiance of the committee's demands so the committee stated that the former trump aide has no legal standing to rebuff the committee and bannon was a private citizen when he spoke to trump before the attack and trump has not asserted any executive privilege claims to the panel itself why does this man just bring more drama than any housewife any mtv reality show like it just never ends i honestly think i know calmer toddlers (laughs) like i just so bannon appears to have played this like multifaceted role he's basically just like which mask should i wear today but in the events of January 6th, and the American people are, well, kind of entitled to hear his firsthand testimony regarding his actions, which is what the committee wrote in the resolution. I mean, word to the bird on that. And once the committee votes on the Bannon measure, it'll go to the full House for a full vote, and then the Justice Department will decide whether or not to prosecute. And Deputy Counsel Jonathan Sue wrote that the president's decision on the documents applied to Bannon, too. And at this point, we are not aware of any bias for your client's refusal to appear for a deposition. It's basically what he like said in this whole situation. President Biden's determination that an assertion of privilege is not justified with respect to these subjects applies to your client's deposition testimony. 
and to any documents your client may possess concerning either subject, which is what he wrote to Bannon's lawyer. So Bannon's lawyer has not yet seen the letter and could not comment on it. Mark Meadows and Kaisha Patel, who is a former White House chief of staff and former Pentagon aide in unison there, have been negotiating with the committee. So, yes. The committee has subpoenaed more than a dozen people, actually, too, who helped plan the rallies before the insurrection on January 6th. It's just so crazy that there's dozens of people who helped plan plan this. But the committee has demanded a broad range of executive branch papers related to intelligence gathered before the attack and security preparations during and before the siege and the pro-Trump rallies that held that day and the Trump's false claims that he won the election, among other matters that again ultimately contributed to this dark day in history so (laughs) we're still you know we're still figuring this one out it seems and i don't know it gives me actually a little bit of hope just knowing how like the heat that trump feels under his ass about this that you know clearly he has shit to hide and it's just gonna be interesting to see what tea spills you know yeah, it really is the kettle that keeps on boiling. So, mm. <sighs> and so is honestly, so is the state of Texas right now. <laughs> Are we a Texas political podcast at this point? Because honestly, like sometimes it feels like that because of like literally how much we talk about it. However, if you guys are like super, super into specifically Texas, obviously we do cover it, and we are continuing to cover some awesome texas lawmakers we have some coming up and all that good stuff but pink granite is a really awesome podcast too and they like focus very much on texas so texas republicans approved redrawn maps that favor incumbents and decreased political representation for minority communities even though latinos drive much of the growth in the red states the maps are approved monday night followed by democrats saying that they believe it was a rush redistricting process crammed into 30 days with little time for public input also denounced the reduction in minority opportunity districts. So Texas will now have seven house districts where Latino residents hold a majority down from eight despite the changing demographics. Democratic state rep Rafael Anchia said to the chamber just before the final vote, what are we doing in passing this congressional map is a disservice to the people of Texas. So that's where we're at with this map that is being pushed through. Civil rights groups, including the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Education Fund, sued before Republican lawmakers were even done on Monday. That's how bad it was. The lawsuit alleges that Republican mapmakers diluted the political strength of minority voters by not drawing any new districts where Latino residents hold a majority, despite Latinos making up half of Texas' 4 million new residents over the last decade. So again, that census, those census numbers are coming in, and this is what it's looking like, and also just like mind you a lot of this think about last year and the election how we saw texas like going blue for a hot minute like this is just that is also evidence of just how much the state is changing but republicans state that they have followed the law in defending the maps which pull more gop leaning voters into suburban districts where democrats have capitalized lately the maps that overhaul how texas nearly 30 million residents are sorted into political districts and who is elected to represent them bookends a highly charged year in the state over voting rights democratic lawmakers twice walked out on an elections bill that tightened the state's already strict voting rules which they called a brazen attempt to disenfranchise minorities and other democratic leaning votes and again, the way these maps are being drawn, that is just continuing this conversation of voter suppression in Texas, which if you've been paying attention to the news, it's not, it's, it's been a thing here for months now. But the plan doesn't create any districts where black or Hispanic voters make more than 50% of the voting population, even though nine out of 10 Texas residents are POC. That is fucking bananas. That's insane. That's insane. And Republican State Senator John Hoffman, who authored the maps and leads the Senate Redistricting Committee, told fellow lawmakers that they were drawn blind to race. Like, okay, like that's just not a thing. Okay, she said her legal team ensured that the plan followed the Voting Rights Act. The Texas GOP controls both chambers of the legislature, giving them nearly complete control of the map-making process, and the state has to defend their maps in court after every redistricting process since the Voting Rights Act took effect in 1965. 
But this will be the first since the U.S. Supreme Court rulings that Texas and other states with a history of racial discrimination no longer need to have the Justice Department scrutinize the maps before they are approved. It's just like, can't. Houston area districts of U.S. Rep. Sheila Jackson Lee, a Democrat who's serving her 14th term. <sighs> term limits, people, term limits. And U.S. Rep. Al Green, a neighboring Democrat, were restored, empowering the two and drawing Jackson Lee's home back into her district. Texas lawmakers also approved redrawn maps for their own districts with Republicans following a similar plan that does not increase minority opportunity districts and would keep their party in power in the state, House, and Senate. Oh, Texas. Oh, Texas. Texas. What's going on there? That's what's going on there. Well, Texas, SMH, Peruge, and Mm -hmm. Texans, we're with you. Let us know what we can do. But that is it for this week. Those are our top stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And oh my God, get ready for merch. It's coming soon. I think everyone will love it. It's trendy. It's cool. But it's also political in a cute way. And if you're passionate about being civically engaged, about voting, this merch is really for you. So just keep your eye out. We will be probably doing some promo and showing some pictures of stuff soon so keep an eye out look the holiday season is like around the freaking corner Mm -hmm. so like this is going to be like a great opportunity for you guys to like get your friends something fun get your sister get your brother get your mom get your cousins cousins cousin i i don't know who you buy presents for but whoever you buy presents for yep this is it this is a great opportunity this is it and we are launching next wednesday (laughs) there it is you guys october 27th aka next week aka this next episode that you'll be listening after this one there will be merch available for you to go purchase so get ready i hope you guys we hope you love it and if you do get some take a hundred thousand pictures and send them to us please Mm -hmm. that's the tea that is it for this week merch events brand ambassador program subscribe rate review follow on on social media i hope you have an amazing week samantha stay strong out there and everyone pray that our ghosts come back to life and on their hands and knees begging pleading anyways um happy wednesday bye Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.